welcome to the Vibe Chat Podcast. My name is Chris Langley, owner of Vibe Speech Therapy. And today I'd like to talk about coordinating conjunctions. Now, I love helping people learn how to use conjunctions because they open up a whole new world in language, reading, and writing. These single words give depth and breadth to our ideas and help us explain ourselves with greater detail and precision. They also make conversation, reading, and writing more interesting and nuanced. I find that when I'm working with most any age, let's just say middle school, right in the middle of the elementary acquisition of skills and really putting it into play in high school, I find that they get a bit stumped by some of these. And also some of them, they they kind of have the, the hang of some of them, but they aren't used to using them in a variety of circumstances or novel ideas and sentences. So these single words can really open up a lot for them. And once they learn how to use them, their language expands, gets more interesting, and their writing flowers and their reading becomes more advanced in a way because they're understanding more of the complexity of what's being said. We naturally start using these conjunctions as we mature in age and ability. When a child is developing language or someone is recovering their language from a brain trauma, learning English as a second language, or has a language delay, then in these situations, people tend to rely on nouns and verbs, more content words, in order to convey their thoughts. And when the conjunctions are left out of communication, then our speech sounds simplified. For example, like it could just be, I want juice. That dog is nice. Or yesterday I went to the store. I put on my necklace. Now, all these sentences are fine and sometimes even great if the person's recovering or learning language, recovering language that is, and and learning it. But it may not be complex enough for who the person is with respect to their age or situation. Now, in my line of work, I'm working with all ages, actually, from usually around starting around age three, two and a half, three, all the way through, you know, older adults, whatnot, mostly kids, but that includes everybody. So we see a wide range of situations with respect to language and what people's needs are. And there are a lot of different needs for a lot of different reasons. And then you factor in, you know, personalities and family systems and all of these things and what people do and what people want to do and what people are willing to do is a lot of different um, aspects. It brings a lot of different aspects into what they're learning and how they're learning it. And then we come in and see where do we fit in this puzzle and how do we help them expand based on these simple little words, really start to help them expand. Now, the coordinating conjunction is, I don't want to say simple because we use it all the time, but it doesn't invite the same depth, let's say, as a subordinating conjunction. Um, But, you know, that's another conversation. But I just want to say that we don't just use just these simple ones. And it's not that these are better or worse. But um, it I bring that up to say that there's a myriad of different conjunctions available to us. And when we're teaching them to kids or adults, then 
it really just broadens their world. So with respect to this uh, age or situation, uh, we want to be mindful of who are they, what are they going through, what do they want to do, and how can we help them? Uh, in some cases, depending on the context or circumstances in which they're using speech that does not have coordinating conjunctions, it can even sound a bit telegraphic or disjointed. Sometimes I refer to this as caveman speech, especially I, I use it playfully, you know, with, with um, middle school, upper elementary, middle school, sometimes high school. If they're, if they're saying something to me and they're not using the stated or said conjunction that we're practicing and we're just all being kind of playful but it you know sounds more like you know i want this now or something like that just you know something more uh, primitive so they all usually have a laugh about it but um you know with teenagers it can be really applicable because sometimes they just give us limited responses you know the fluctuating uh communication skills in the teenage realm so yeah, so if you're if you're feeling playful or you know humor is possible in that moment, then you can point it out and and just have a little laugh and then help them learn how to make it sound more appropriate for their age. But many times, you know, the person doesn't know how to move to the next level. So that's where I've spoken previously about how critical direct instruction is. So whether the direct instruction is at school or home, or with a support provider, such as a speech therapist, you know, that's going to build the bridge for the person to learn how to add elements to their communication, make it sound more interesting and meaningful, both for the speaker and the listener. So as I was just mentioning, there are a few different types of conjunctions, coordinating, subordinating, and correlative. And it's important to remember that conjunctions can also be other parts of speech. You know, the English language loves to its words to take on these multiple roles and pronunciations. It's just, it's a little bit maddening, especially for English language learners. Well, anyone actually who's trying to get something and they can't get it for whatever reason. And it's definitely confusing. But um, so for today, for today's podcast, I'll only talk about coordinating conjunctions. And these conjunctions are usually the first ones out of the gate, the first ones that are learned. They use, we use them to connect and contrast our ideas. They explain why we are doing or thinking something and show the choices and results of our actions and thoughts, whether they're simple or complex. Then the listener has more info and it's just by adding the one word. So our coordinating conjunctions connect words, phrases, and independent clauses into a complete thought. And that's their job. An acronym that many kids know they learn in school we teach them as uh, fanboys and it stands for for and nor but or yet so and i'd like to just dive in a little tiny bit to each of them even though um, many people may already know what we use these for many people may not and it's, it's worth just breaking it down a bit so for for four, we use that for explaining why. Explaining why we do something is easy when we use this for. It gives a reason and is it's used in short and long sentences. I wanted to see you for some help with my homework, for some help. So it's saying why. Why do I want to see you? Because I want some help with my homework. 
he took the dog outside for a walk. Why did he take the dog outside? He wanted to take it for a walk. So we use it this way. And sometimes I think that we only think the word because answers answer why, but it doesn't. We have lots of ways to answer why. And that's one of them using for. The next one is and. And with and, we use it everywhere, right? I think it's the most popular word in every language, probably. And it makes two similar points. It's a very popular word. And we're, this word is really easy to teach using real objects and pictures. You start with single items and then move into connecting sentences and making lists. And everybody loves adding things together, especially when it's adding things that we like. So when the activity would be more enticing in that case. Plus, using and supports word retrieval and vocabulary building to think of and name different objects. For example, I want water and a muffin. She is smart and kind. So it really gets that word retrieval going. What else can I add? What else can I add? Something about the human psyche that loves to add, add, add not take away. <laughs> we don't like to see things go away. No loss. No, thank you. But add, yes. Unless it's adding weight, then we don't want to add weight. But that's a, that's a different podcast. Uh, so that's and, making these two similar points. With nor, we make two similar negative points. This conjunction is not as commonly used in everyday speech and usually met with some raised eyebrows and scrunched up faces with middle and high school students when they hear it in sentences or even worse when they're asked to use it in writing. I get a lot of rolled eyes with that case or kind of those, what is one of my favorite emojis, you know, when they have the, the eyeballs that just like, they're just wide and they just stick out. Like, what do I do with this? I see that a lot, actually. <laughs> so, um so with nor, it states a negative point of two similar items, usually categorically similar. The addition of neither is used in conjunction, uh, pun intended, uh, with nor. So for example, she wanted neither coffee nor tea, or he likes neither apples nor bananas. So you see how it's a, a partnership there neither nor. Actually, I would say that's more correlative, neither nor, either or, but we're just going to stick with this use right now. So that is added for that, for nor. And it's actually, you know, I think used more with certain populations, um, maybe more like in writing and, you know, people who are enjoying writing or uh, maybe they're discussing a certain genre or something like that, then people might use nor a bit more in those cases. Um, but just on our everyday use, we may not use it as much. The next one is but. And whenever I say but, you know, especially for younger kids, they start laughing. I mean, you know, kids, what are you going to do? <laughs> but is a contrast. So, after the laughter subsides, you know, there's a little leap in understanding to the idea of contrast. So what I typically do when I'm teaching but is I use my hands to show the break in an action, make my hands go forward and then splitting my hands so that the other one goes in the opposite direction as I say the contrast or exception in my sentence. For example, like if I have my hands up and then I want to say this sentence, I would say like, I want to hang out after school today. But, and then I break my hands apart, right? But 
I have to go home and do my homework or I want to go, but I'm too busy. So I'm doing that as well. Like I'm breaking my hands apart. And then I also, you know, emphasize the conjunction and its job, you know, with my tone and my volume with the, with this visual cue and then practice sentences, you know, they pick this one up pretty quickly. So the next one in line is, or, and, or gives us options and choices. This is another one we like a lot. You know, there's something about, and there's something about adding and having a choice that we as humans just really love those ideas. So most people, I will say, um, and who doesn't love an option? I don't know. I love to have choices. So you can toss this little word between two words, sentences. You could use it in a list. It's used anywhere a choice is offered, for better or for worse. Um, kids use it all the time when they're playing, would you rather? Would you rather have the power of invisibility or teleportation? That adds actually something to ponder. It's a really tough choice, this would you rather. You know, it's... that's. I don't know. I would I would put it to you to think about: Would you want to be invisible or or teleported, and and why? There's a lot of good reasons I think on both sides, but anyway, tough choices abound. So that's or, and yet is a contrast in spite of something. Now I'm gonna in a minute I'm gonna talk a little bit more about the difference between you know but and yet, but for now. Uh, yet is this contrast in spite of something. So this conjunction has more use than nor, but is less prevalent in speech than the other conjunctions on this fanboys list. It's similar to but, like I was saying. But it's used to show something that happens in spite of something else. For example, it was early, yet we wanted to go to bed to get a good night's sleep. It was raining, yet we went outside. So you can see how something's going on and there was a decision to be made to do this, that, or the other. And it was made in spite of the situation, considering the situation and then something was made ahead of time. I feel like when this is happening, there's you know, more of a negative or maybe not negative, but like a, a less inclined situation at hand. And you have to choose the better of a situation or you make a decision given the situation. I mean, going outside when it's raining is fine, but there's this kind of sense that, well, it's raining and you wouldn't want to do that. So there's some sort of not a shadow, but some sort of something like that, you know, hanging over with yet in spite of something. That's why they say that. So the last one in our list of fanboys is so. And so is often used by kids when they're learning their writing skills, reading and writing, and particularly writing. The but, because, and so sometimes they get used in the wrong connotations. They're similar in some ways because they're showing the result of something, but at the same time, the nuance of the situation, the context of the situation dictates that one is better than the other. And that's where, you know, we come in and help. This is what this would be 
the better choice. And this is why. And so all these kind of nuances and complexities of learning are something that we are really focused on helping the kids get that depth and breadth that I was talking about. So it's showing the results of something. I'm going to give you an example. Uh, I wanted to tell you about conjunctions. So I'm making a podcast about it. We are a results-oriented world. So, so is commonly used to describe what happened as a result of that action. I ate too much ice cream, so I got a stomach ache. Like that, you know, if we want to show what happened. Not all the actions are desired, as in that case. So we can get into some difficult situations with what we want so to be used for, right? I forgot my keys, so I had to call the locksmith. This is our go-to conjunction, I would say, when we want to connect ideas and show the result of any action or inaction. It's a, kind of the first one out that you could pull out. So and and, those are good ones to use. Now, I have a little bit of a nerdy side note, an addendum, grammar alert. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about the difference between but and yet. The easiest way to remember the difference is that but and yet can only be used interchangeably when they are conjunctions. For example, the dress is cheap, yet elegant. But and yet are both used as adverbs and conjunctions, but but can be used as a preposition. So in that case, it means only. This demonstrates that it's apart from something. For example, you have no choice but to leave. I didn't tell anyone but my best friend in that case, in these cases. Sorry for the grammar overload, but it's just, you know, job hazard. <laughs> so I just want to help elucidate some of it. But when but is used as an adverb, it means no more than or only. He is but a child. So in the preposition, it's meaning only. And an adverb, it means no more than or only. We could say he is only a child. He is no more than a child. Or we could say he is but a child. So you see how it has those definitions in it. If you say um, you have no choice but to leave, you have no choice only to leave. So these things, it's kind of like you can't replace that, but this is what the, what the connotation is. In the other case, you can replace them. When but is used as a conjunction, then it's used to contrast one statement from another. It connects two statements that have opposite meanings. And this is what we were talking about before. Her friend asked her to stay, but she had to leave. The shirt was cheap, but very stylish. You see how there's this contrast. Many didn't agree with her, but she didn't let that get her down. So these examples are showing this contrast. And a lot of times we can just skim right over it. And other times, this is where our emphasis, like I've been doing, sometimes we, as just in our natural cadence, our natural rhythm of conversation, we bring that in because we're emphasizing the contrast consciously or unconsciously. We are doing that. And that is a very natural, normal thing to do. One last distinction. When yet is used in it as an adverb, it means up until the present or certain time. It's equivalent to using 
quote unquote, so far or still. I haven't watched it yet. Have you told anyone else yet? You know, these sentences, I haven't watched it so far. Have you told anyone else so far? Like this, it kind of has that meaning in there. So like that, that's the difference, the quick, quick and dirty difference between but and yet. And more often than not, people will choose but until they, until they learn how to use yet. And then, of course, then that's in their arsenal of, of tools and uh, some ways to practice them. You can just model them in everyday speech throughout the day. If you're, if you are, well, if you are learning them, then you can practice them. And if it's someone else you're helping, a child or another adult, then you can just model that for them. And target specific activities where you can directly teach and demonstrate the use of these. You there's so many different times where you can make you know set um, practice times, play time or meal time or discussions in the car, road trips, homework time. I like, I really, well, I think all settings are great, but there's something about homework time that's pretty user-friendly. If you can add it to an exercise or kind of tack it on the end or discussions in the car, because everyone's kind of captive. And if there's no music on or anything and people aren't screaming at each other, then it's quiet. (laughs) So then you could try it there. Um, You can make a list and see what sentences you can create from each conjunction. That's kind of an old school way, but tried and true. Things work through repetition and uh, writing things down really helps the brain to get it using your old fashioned pen and paper or pencil and paper. Uh, When you're reading a book or an article, you can also highlight different conjunctions and then talk about what they do in a sentence. That's a nice one for, um, I'd say like fourth grade and up, maybe even third great enough. Something about the highlighter that people really like to do. It's like it really brings it up, brings it alive or makes the brain light up or something about that. And then of course, it's really easy reference for when you want to go back. And um, last but not least, you know, you can, you could, after watching a short video, you can have kids do a retail or, or whoever is working on these or a written summary. And then just maybe pick a few of the conjunctions. You can, I often do just one for each or two for each. And then at the direct instruction stage, and then for the practice stage, you know, you can have them do however many each. And there's something, sometimes people, I'll just say kids in general, and mostly what I'm working with here, but um, sometimes kids find it overwhelming to generate a sentence and they need a sentence starter or they need some ideas, a bit of a laundry list or a word bank or something. So that's completely fine. But other times there are some kids who just really like the autonomy of creating their own sentence, you know, whatever they want to say in their way. And I say, go for it, you know, be as creative as you want. I just have two requirements. One, be appropriate. And two, use the instruction, you know, use, do the lesson as we're doing it so that you learn it. And aside from that, you know, green light, go for it, you know. So most of all, what I always say, you know, have fun, be creative. There are language opportunities everywhere. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow me on Apple and Spotify or any other podcast platform. And to get more information on speech and language therapy, you can visit my website at vibespeechtherapy.com.